Amen. Let's, uh, let's give Susie a round of applause for reading the scriptures for us. Thank you, Susie. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, we just sang about the goodness of God. Is God good? Amen? He is this morning. It is a fundamental characteristic of who God is. On his throne, he is good. And we celebrate that. And, you know, even in the midst of this last week, people have asked me a lot, like, Pastor, how you doing? I'm like, I'm just loving Jesus and chilling. Amen? I'm just loving Jesus, seeking him, searching, being diligent. But, man, I'm just resting in his goodness. And God has been doing some amazing things even this week, and we give him all the praise. So, so good morning. Welcome to Living Waters. If you're here with us for the very first time, welcome. We are so thankful you're here. My name is Josh. I'm the preaching pastor here at church, and we are so grateful that you are joining us uh, this morning. So um, it's no accident that every person is here right where you're sitting, right on time. You know God's never late, right? He's rarely ever early. He's right on time, amen? So it's, it's, you're right on time. You're right on time. This is exactly where God wants you right now, according to his perfect plan for your life. So we are thrilled that you have joined us this morning. Um, as we dig into Hebrews chapter 9, let's open our time uh, with a word of prayer and, and seek the Lord together. Father, we sing about your goodness. Now we pray about your goodness. And now, Lord, we get to dig into your good word. And Lord, it is able, this word is able to save our souls. And so God, we trust in the word. We don't trust in a preacher. We don't trust in a hearer. We trust that your word, when it's preached, that the spirit of God activates that word in the hearts of every listener, live and online and everybody that's streaming with us. God, we believe it. We absolutely believe in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, we're asking that the Holy Spirit would have his way this morning in our hearts, that you would just say to us what we need to hear and so that we might change. And, Lord, I pray for every Christian that you'd build them up and infuse new and fresh joy in their hearts. And I pray for every person here who does not yet know Christ, that you would activate for the very first time ears of faith so they might hear the word of God. And Lord, be saved. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever felt guilty before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you felt guilty about something you said, something you did. As a Hawkeye fan, I feel guilty that I cheered for the Cyclones yesterday. <laughs> Only for three quarters. Because after the third quarter, I'm like, this Iowa State fan thing stinks. I'm out. I'm out of here. Um, yeah, we've all felt guilty before. We've all felt this, this sinful guilt for what we did do or what we didn't do, what we did say, what we didn't say. And that's really the heart of Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 14. It's the heart of where we're going in this passage is dealing with the guilty conscience that we have from time to time, or that we have all the time, depending on your spiritual background. Think about how much guilt influences our society even today. Um, there's a story that I read. This is absolutely hilarious. There was a, a German couple who went to England, and they went, this is a true story, 
went to England for marriage counseling. And so they went from Germany to um, England. They go through their marriage class at this church. And according to the husband, the class totally stunk. Like it was bad, didn't get anything from it. They paid all this money to go into this class, and they felt like they were getting ripped off. And so the husband looked through the church. He was angry, and he looked, and there was this stack of, of Bibles. And he said, I'm so angry, I'm going to get back at this church for this terrible counseling conference that's done us no good. So he stole a Bible, and he went back to Germany, and he discovered that the Bible was 200 years old. He stole a 200-year-old Bible from this church in England. And for years, he did nothing about it. In fact, he kept the Bible in his possession for 42 years. And at the end of 42 years, he sent the Bible back to the church at, with an anonymous, it was an anonymous mailer. He mailed the Bible back. And he said, I'm really sorry, um, but I feel so guilty about stealing this Bible from you that I have to send it back. He sent it back with a note asking for forgiveness. And in the note, he said, the class really stunk, but I shouldn't have stole the Bible. And he said, every time I looked at the Bible, I would just be ridden with guilt in my conscience. And so he said, so 42 years later, this is the way that I'm trying to absolve my guilt. Right? Pretty crazy story, right? Social media gives us um, stories all the time. Every five minutes, there's a new social media tweet, post, something that's going on. And, and our culture tweets and posts so fast that what used to take you know, a solid 28 hours of a news cycle to watch the evening news with Walter Cronkite. Can I get an amen? All right. And then maybe reading your newspaper the next morning. That whole 28-hour process now takes about 10 minutes. We go through this emotional roller coaster of news and information that comes at us so fast. And one thing that we know for sure is that our culture struggles with immaturity, right? We're immature, and also with insecurity. We're insecure. I don't know what you've read this week, but the things that you read are so disturbing. And you're like, what is, the, what is wrong with this world? Such sinners. No, I'm going to tell you as your pastor that the human sinful heart has not changed. All right? The avenue by which people can express their sinful thoughts and words has become much more easy to do. It, can I get a social media amen, right? You guys hear what I'm saying? So as we approach Hebrews 9, we're dealing with a guilty conscience. What do you do with a guilty conscience? And why is Hebrews 9 so important to us this morning? Why is it important for your life and for my life? That is my heart as a pastor to communicate to you everything that this passage is worth so that you will know how to diagnose your conscience. 
Because some of you are walking around with a guilty conscience. Some of you have been doing sins that you know you shouldn't be doing. And you're coming in with a lot of burden, a lot of guilt. What do you do with it? Some of you are in Christ and you're trying to figure out, how do I move forward? Jesus has paid for my sins. How do I move forward with a good conscience before God and man? How do I do that? Because I'm feeling joyful, but how do I move forward? So that's the heart and the Holy Spirit, his ministry in John 16, 8, is to prick and to convict the hearts of men and women. So John 16, 8, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he came, he would convict the world of sin and righteousness. The Holy Spirit is the person who convicts people of sin, not you. Is that, is that a newsflash for some of you? For some of you, you're like, wait a minute, I thought I was the means of convicting the world regarding sin and righteousness. No, that's the Spirit's job. Amen? So we need to be in prayer for people that we love and care for so that God might prick their conscience. Because in our world today, we have a lot of hard hearts. A lot of hard consciences out there. And if you followed the story about Netflix this week and about the, the, that whole cutie show or whatever, if you don't know about it, all right, don't, don't look it up. It's, it's bad news, bears. But there, there is a display of sin in a way that is so disturbing to me as a pastor and so disturbing to our culture that we are losing our conscience. We are hardening our heart towards what is very much sin. And then also, you know, there's some of you who have really soft consciences and everything is a sin and everything, you're trying to figure out how to handle it. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at Hebrews 9 and then we're going to see how important this passage is. So let's put the big idea up there on the screen. All right, this passage is important because it deals with the problem of soul insecurity. It deals with the problem. If you're feeling guilt, if you're feeling insecure, this passage is going to deal with it. And the passage points us to Jesus and his miraculous power to clean the conscience. So what we have to do is look at the problem first and then the answer. So the problem is an insecure conscience. And that's the first point this morning we got to look at the problem. The problem is an insecure conscience. Now, you can see this in verse 9. It says, According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. So, a conscience. What is a conscience? According to the great prophet Jiminy Cricket, a conscience is supposed to always be our what, class? Our guide, right? Pinocchio struggled with that in the movie, but Jiminy was there to tell him. But a conscience is, is literally, the word means it's the part of your soul that determines moral good and moral evil. That's your conscience. And, and the, the Bible is talking about the problem of an insecure conscience. Now, we're going we're gonna to look at verse 1 through 10, and I'm going to summarize the Old Testament for you. And after the 8.30 service, I am convinced that I have to do this in a more engaging way. Because <laughs> when I start talking about the Old Testament law and the tabernacle, the 8.30 service, God loved them. Their eyes were just like, we woke up early for this. Zzz. 
It was like comatose, and I'm like, oh my, I got to make this better at 10. I got to make it better. All right, so if you're looking at verses 1 through 10, I got to summarize it for you as best I can to engage you as long as I can because you are a 2020 Christian who probably doesn't know much about the tabernacle. So the tabernacle is the center of worship in the Old Testament. It is the place where worship happens, where the sacrifices happen, the animal sacrifices, the community of Israel, one million people plus strong. And then in the middle of this community is a tabernacle. A tabernacle simply means tent. And if we could put the picture of the tabernacle up, Rube, that'd be great. So the tabernacle here, whoa, I almost tripped on guitar stuff. Okay, here's the tabernacle. The tabernacle has two main areas, all right, as far as a building goes. You can see the outer court in the gray, all right, and then there's this built, there's this tent. Within the tent, there's two sections. One is called the holy place, one is called the most holy place, or the holy of holies. Now, Hebrews 9 is going to tell us in the first five verses about the holy place, okay? The holy place has three different things in it, all right? In verse 2, of, nine, of, of chapter 9, it says that there is a lampstand and a table and the bread of presence. Those are the three pieces of furniture in the holy place. Now, I wish I had more time to tell you about that because it's all very amazing and Jesus-centered. It's awesome stuff. But for the, for the short explanation of the holy place, the, the priests can go in there. They can go in there. It's a very important spot, right, for the priest to be. In the outer court, if you look at the outer court, you have this place where there's a lot of animal sacrifices. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. But during that day, in the outer court, there would be up to 1.2 million animal sacrifices. Everybody say, that's a lot of blood. It's a lot of blood, right? So if you are a priest on the Day of Atonement, you are part priest— Part butcher, that is your job, okay? And in the holy place, there's a lot of activity. But the most holy place, the holy of holies, is in verses 6 through 10 in our passage. And the high priest, he goes in to the holy of holies one time per year. And now what's in the holy of holies? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant's in there. Now what does the Ark of the Covenant have in it? A lot of gold, all right, a lot of gold-laden box here. And what you have in the Holy of Holies is the Ten Commandments. You have Aaron's rod that he used during the Exodus, all that stuff. It's the most amazing place. It's the place where the presence of God literally dwells, okay? And so you can see this in verse 7. The high priest goes in, and he goes into the Holy of Holies once a year— and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. So the, whole, the high priest goes in there, he's got blood of an animal sacrifice, and he's laying that blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant between the two cherubim. It's awesome, right? And he lays it down as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. All right. That's a big deal. All of that is a big deal. Because the problem in the Old Testament was that the nation of Israel had guilty consciences. And even the high priest, when he goes in 
Verse 9, it says, even those arrangements and gifts and sacrifices offered, they cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. So the high priest is doing his thing, and even that does not perfect. It doesn't eradicate the, the need for a clean conscience. It simply covers over your conscience. It atones for your sin for a short period of time. So if you are average Joe or average Jane Israelite, right, you live right in the middle of the community, right, what's your experience of God like and what is your experience with your conscience like? Here's what it's like. It's distant and it's unknown for the most part. It's kind of a mystery, kind of dark, kind of hope I'm good with God, right? If you bring in your sacrifice as a family to the high priest, to the outer courts, the high priest is going to take your animal sacrifice and they're not going to know your name. They're just going to take your sacrifice and say, thank you, we will offer this to God. It'll be for the absolvement or the covering of your sin. And you go home and your biggest cheer, you're cheering big time for your favorite team. Your favorite team is not the Chicago Bears, though it should be. Your favorite team is the high priest. Go, high priest, go. You are my connection to God. Don't mess it up. And you look from far away. Your, your family tent is far away. And you look into that tabernacle tent and you're like, I hope he does a good job. Because my connection to God is based on how he does. And if he does it right, then I will feel some relief for my guilty conscience. And that's how the Old Testament works. And that's a problem because it's incomplete. It's good, it's just incomplete. The tabernacle is a good thing. It's just incomplete. There's no final word on your conscience. There's no final word on guilt being forgiven. And that makes it hard. So, how does that relate to us today? How does Hebrews 9, 1 through 10, relate to us today? It's a good question. Here's how it relates. We are very much like the Israelite nation in the Old Testament. Because they would have been busy. They would have worked hard. They would have done the things. They would have done the obedience things. And yet, God would seem distant. And I would say our culture fits that to a T right now. We are so busy, are we not? It is our badge of spiritual honor to be busy. Can I get a busy amen? I mean, it's like a badge of honor. How are you? Busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. You know what? I'm busier than you are. I bet you my busy beats your busy all day. You know, and we just, we just go along with it with our job and our kids and our stuff. And we go to church and we put in our time and we do a small group maybe. If we're really spiritual, we do even more than that. And we do all these things and all of these things don't get rid of the conscience that is guilty. We run around and how many points does little Johnny or little Sally have to score for you to feel like your conscience is absolved before God? How fast does little Johnny or Sally have to run around the track for you to feel absolved by God? How much money do you have to make to feel like finally I've made enough money where my conscience feels clean? Those are the questions I think our culture has to ask. Because we're running around like chickens with our head cut off, and a lot of times we are not feeling happy, content, or accepted by the living God. And in the midst of that, it's kind of like we don't have power to change. 
I heard this just the other day from a friend of mine. He said, Josh, I feel like we're going so fast. It's like the wheel is spinning so fast that I know I can't turn it to the right or to the left. If I wanted to change, I'm not sure I could change because I'm going so fast in this direction that if I wanted to, I'm not sure and I don't know if God's like on my side or not. Sometimes I feel like he is in Jesus. Sometimes I don't. It's like me walking downtown in the skywalks on Thursday. I was walking in the skywalks, and if you know where that kaleidoscope is over by Walnut Street, it's this three-layer, three-decker, you know, place of commerce and business. At least it used to be. I walked by there the other day, and I used to do lunches over there. There's a lot of restaurants and stuff like that. I walked by. I hadn't been there in four years. I was shocked and for those of you who walk downtown a lot, you're not shocked. But I am. As a Southsider, I don't get there in the skywalks very much. And I was walking around. I'm like, this is crazy town. Because every storefront almost was closed and dark. And as I was walking around, it was bothersome to me. Because there's no people. There was no life. It was just empty darkness. And I said, what a good microcosm for Hebrews 9. If you don't have Jesus, you have a guilty conscience, and it's like walking around trying to connect with God, who is life and light and activity and joy, and you're looking around, and there's all these empty storefronts called busyness and religion, and you're like, I thought this would give me joy, and it's not. That's the problem in our culture. We have insecure consciences. And we don't know how to get rid of them. So that's the problem. What's the answer? Well, the answer is the second point of the sermon. The answer is Jesus. Praise God. If you got a guilty conscience, your answer has a name, and his name is Jesus. So Jesus appears in verse 11, and it says, When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. You can almost feel the passage of Scripture shifting right here. You can feel it. Verses 1 through 10 is guilty, law, law, tabernacle. Verse 11 is good news, Jesus is here, and all God's people said, yes, Christ is here in the text. We need him. He's in the text and he shows up and what does he do? He enters into the holy places. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood. Jesus shows up into the tabernacle. Like the real tabernacle? Like the, like the tent? No, 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 no. The tabernacle not made with hands, Jesus enters in, verse 12, into heaven. Heaven itself. The tabernacle of God. And he shows up not with, uh, hey, uh, God, I got, some, uh, I got some goat blood here. I got some calf blood over here. Hope it's okay. No, Jesus comes into the presence of God the Father and he comes with his own blood. Wow. He enters into the holiest of holy places, heaven, and he says, I'm not coming with anybody else except for myself. Here you go. He sacrifices his own blood on the cross, 
And that cross is the means by which acceptance with God is found and our guilty consciences are cleaned. This is the best news in all the world. Jesus cleanses sinners through his blood. So 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to show you this verse, verse 18 and 19. If we could put that up. It says this, Peter said, knowing that you were redeemed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And I just want to stay on this verse for a little bit. Every person who puts their faith in Jesus is redeemed. What are you redeemed from? The feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. What are the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers? The American dream, potentially. How about you just live a good life, go die somewhere, get a good salary, raise a good family? What does all that mean? Without God, it means zero things. And that's what Peter is saying. He's saying, look, you've been redeemed from all these futile ways that don't lead to eternal life. You've been redeemed with not gold and silver. How much money you make, how much money you give to the church, how much money you do. Not gold and silver, but with precious blood. The blood of a lamb without blemish or spot. Wow. What about Ephesians 1 verse 7? Let's throw that one up there. In him we have redemption through what? Through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We are redeemed through the blood of Jesus. And the blood that Christ shed on the cross, it not only absolved us of guilt, but it took away our guilty conscience. This is the greatest news in the history of of the world. That Jesus would go into heaven and he would show God the Father his work on the cross and God the Father would say, I will accept, put in your name, put in your name, I will accept them because of this. Church, Jesus does what nobody else can do. He takes away your guilt. Only Jesus can do that. Ancient religion can't do it. Modern technology, right? As much as you love Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, Hulu, whatever you're into, as much as you love them and think we are so sophisticated with all of our things, you should see all the tech in my car or my truck. You should see all of it. As much as we love that, it won't take away your guilty conscience. The only thing that can take away your guilty conscience is the blood of Christ. There's power in the blood. Amen? There's power in it. That's an old hymn. There's power in the blood. Wonder-working power, right? It cleanses anybody who believes in it. And there, there's, just, there's just so much beauty, right, in... Um, what Christ has done. Washed by the blood is the other hymn I was thinking of. I'm like, I'm thinking of the other hymn. What is it? What is it? I gotta look. I gotta find it. Are you washed by the blood? Now, I grew up in Baptist world, right? I was a Baptist Catholic. I was, I was that. That's who I was. Okay? Baptist Catholic. That's what, I, that's what I grew up. And so, like, I grew up listening to all these hymns, and it was just like, are you washed in the blood? 
in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are they washed in the blood of the Lamb? As a kid, I'm like, what is this all about, Mom? This is the weirdest hymn in the world. Washing in blood? I wash with water, thank you very much, and I use soap. That was a problem with four boys. We had to, like, mark the soap to make sure we were using the soap. I wash with water, and I go to church, and I talk about washing in blood. That's weirdo. Right? What's with all this washing in blood? And then I became a Christian, and I said, oh, that's what it means. To be washed by the blood is to be given a clean conscience by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I can move forward in my life without having to worry about the sin I committed in 1997 and 1984 and 1986 and all those. I can move forward for God from dead works to serve the living God. I can do that. That's the power of the gospel in our lives is that we get to have forgiveness, get washed by the blood, and we move in. Now, here's, here's what I would say to illustrate it. Okay, um, we, we said goodbye to six couples this morning, six wilderness trip couples. I got to pray them out at the well at 6 a.m. 6 a.m. They were leaving. And they're going to go, and they're going to tent, and they're going to hike, and they're going to get to know God, and they're going to get to know Jesus, and they're going to love each other better, and all that stuff, right? And it reminded me of a trip in 2013 when we took probably one of the nastiest, longest men's wilderness trips of all time. We went up to the Boundary Waters. We hiked 15 miles per day, no showers, barely brushed our teeth, All God's people said, that's gross, right? We spent six nights and seven days traveling. When we came back in, it was the filthiest I have ever been in my life. And I came in and we smelled like mud and we smelled like sweat and we smelled like bug spray. Amen? Because those those mosquitoes are like helicopters up there. And I remember the shower house, very specifically. And I remember saying, this is the grossest I've ever been in my life. And I I looked at the shower house like heaven. It was like heaven. And I went down and there was was some hot water still left because all the guys didn't use it all yet. And I remember getting under that shower and it was like a cleansing, y'all. Amen? Like the soap never smelled so good. The shampoo never felt so good. It was like, yes. And I just felt like this. Like, wash me water. Wash me. And I just, I'll be there all day long. Until the hot water ran out. Right? I say that to illustrate, that's how you get a clean conscience with Jesus. You get under the shower of the blood of Christ. And you say with all your heart, I'm guilty. I need this. I need the blood to just come all over me like a shower and to clean me forever and ever and ever. Amen? That's the gospel. And, and the, the scriptures say that this is an eternal redemption at the end of verse 12. 
This is an eternal redemption. So you get washed by the blood of Jesus and you are redeemed for how long? Is it like my planet fitness agreement that as long as I pay it, I have access to the building? No, no, no. Sometimes we come to Jesus like that. Like, hey, Lord, I'm coming to you, but like, is my contract up yet? Like, do I owe you more things? Because I feel really bad. I feel like I need to. It's not like your planet fitness contract. This is an eternal redemption that when you're washed by the blood, you're washed forever and ever and ever. Amen, right? So if you are here this morning and you're struggling with your conscience, it could be you're struggling because you're not saved. You've never been under the shower of the blood of Christ. And I would encourage you this morning, the answer to your insecurity, the answer to your insecure conscience is to run to Christ and repent and believe for the very first time. Guess what? He is ready and willing and able to forgive you right now. So if that's you, it's, it's a good day to be saved. And if you know Christ as your Savior, if you're a believer, which is the majority of you, this blood shower that you have taken when you got saved should be the greatest joy of your life. There should be nothing greater than the reality that your conscience is now clean because of what Christ has done. He took all of your guilt, all of your insecurity on himself, and right now, the gospel should be to you, believer, the greatest joy in the world. There should be nothing greater than all the earth, in the earth. And, believer, it should transform you in such a way that verse 14 is true. It should purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. If you're saved, you should be all about that living God. Amen? I mean, if you know Jesus, you have a living God He's alive right now in your heart and in this world. And you should say, I'm done with religion. I'm done with activity. I'm done with busyness. And I'm saying yes to serving the living God today in my heart and with my hands. So believer, your, your life should be transformed to serve the living God with gladness and joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible grace. Lord, we are guilty. We have been guilty. Our consciences accuse us all the time of sin. And for those believers in this gym who know you, God, we as Christians stand on the blood of Christ. That the blood has purified our consciences and has informed us and has empowered us to live a different kind of life than we've ever lived before salvation. So Holy Spirit, just move in the hearts of Christians right now to find joy in this blood shower of Jesus and to share it with other people and to serve other Christians and to lay our lives down because Christ laid his life down for us. Lord, I pray also for anybody here who doesn't know Christ yet. Lord, would you please be gracious and speak to them and help them to see that a, a guilty conscience can only be 
truly, truly forgiven through Christ. And I pray that even this morning would be the morning of their salvation. So God, we, we pray these things. We believe these things. We hope in this gospel. And we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So to close our time together, I was going to have Chris come up. And we sang the goodness of God at the end of 830. But I, I asked Chris, I said, hey, don't you think we should sing Washed in the Blood? Like we should just do that and just enjoy that as an acapella song. So that's what we're going to do. So you guys can stand up. And Chris is going to lead us in the blood. And if you didn't grow up Baptist Catholic, it's fine. Just follow somebody around you. You'll be okay. But if you know this hymn, this is a great hymn, I think, to, to finish us up. So I'll try to grab the harmonies. You can close us up. Sing, sing with us as you, as you hear the tune. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of a Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of a Lamb? Praise God. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> So as we close, I hope that's your story. That you could say, I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb and I love it. Okay? If that's you, praise God. Go apply it. If you, if you have questions about today's sermon or if you have questions about the gospel, what it means to be covered by the blood of Jesus, we would encourage you just to find myself or one of the other pastors. I think we have a text number too that you can text. We would love that you respond that way too. Okay? Church, we love you. We're so glad you're here this morning. Have a great time connecting with one another in fellowship and picking up your kids for Kids for Truth. We love you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.